This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hello and welcome to another episode of Rugby Tonight podcast. I'm Austin Healy, and yet again this week, contractually obliged, I'm joined by Ben Kay. Hey, looking forward to it. Can't wait. I bet you can't. It's your favourite subject what? this week. Me? We're bound to be talking about Wales. Oh, I thought it was... You, you love uh, No, Wales. I thought you were talking about my favourite subject being me. But anyway, so it's the 2018 Six Nations. It's kicked off with style, with Ireland, Wales and England picking up wins in the opening rounds and fixtures. And we'll be talking about the big stories of the weekend. And also, with England versus Wales coming up, we'll take a trip down memory lane, reliving our experiences from some of the many memorable clashes between the two wonderful nations. It says wonderful, I... Really well read. Oh, thank you. I I didn't read it. It was off the cuff. Of course, of course, of course, of course. Of course, we're an unbiased podcast here at Rugby Tonight, so it won't all be just us two Englishmen. We'll also be catching up with Wales and Scarlet's legend, Jonathan Davis, who joined us here in the studio for Rugby Tonight, and he's going to be joining us on the podcast too. That'll be a little bit later on, but first up, here's this week's news. England scrum half, Ben Youngs will miss the rest of the Six Nations after damaging knee ligaments. I can't carry on with that. That's bad news, isn't it, for Leicester? Terrible news. And for, and for England. <coughs> and him. And it. Well, yeah. <laughs> oh, so I missed great. him out. Sorry, sorry, Ben. It's bad news for you as well. But more for me, because I've got money on Leicester doing well this year. It, look, it, it will be very interesting. England have obviously announced four months. I don't know how they know it's that long straight away. Um, but it'll be interesting. That would take him to the end of the season, whether he'd get back in time for South Africa, whether Eddie Jones will think it's important for him to go to South Africa or not, or whether it's just have a really good pre-season, get fit for next year. Yeah, the good news is his MCL that he's ruptured, not his ACL. So that's good news for him. Uh, Good news also for Richard Wigglesworth, uh, the oldest, second oldest scrum half, I think he's going to be if he gets on the field at the weekend. More noticeably, he he will enable Danny Kerr to overtake Matt Dawson as the most capped scrum half in English history. Does that surprise you? Um, No. Okay, good answer. I, I really think, enjoyed it. Seventy eighth cap, seventy eighth cap for Danny Kerr. Yeah, a lot of them off off the bench. That's not belittling him, but a lot of them off well, the bench, which is maybe six, so maybe we'll why anyway. you, you don't think it, it's that you know you why you think it's amazing, but you know he's been around a long time and having that experience coming off, and he's still his style of play adds adds an awful lot, doesn't it? Yeah, interesting piece I read about him saying that actually he's got seventy eight caps. So what has he got to show for it? Not actually won anything. Not won a World Cup. 
Um, you know, he's he's got big ambitions. They get, paid, they get paid 23 grand a game, so know, a really nice I mean, house. It's, it's, only, it's only money, <laughs> but he, he lives in London, so it'll be ah. too bad. Look. Too bad, I'd have thought. Um, but he has been good for England, as you said. Uh, ben Young's also just broke Matt Dawson's record with the most starts as an England scrum half, 56. Um, he will be a big miss, and Danny Kerr will well, be an able replacement. Do you think they'll start with Danny Kerr? I think they have to start with yep. Danny Kerr. They can't start with Wigglesworth. And, and in some ways, uh, I, I love Wigglesworth as a player, but I'm surprised that Dan Robson wasn't brought in because he's a little bit of a mixture of Danny Kerr and Ben Young's, whereas Richard Wigglesworth is a completely different scrum half. And uh, if you want tempo, pace, and uh, uh, and ball away, there's I think Dan Robson's probably better. Yeah. But you know, Wiggy's got lots and lots of experience. He knows how to control proceedings. And I think Eddie Jones will be hoping that England have a lead with 20 minutes to go, and he brings Wigglesworth on, and he can close a game out because he's a master at that. And uh, and and that that'll be good. Baron McGuigan has also been ruled out of Scotland's match against France with a hamstring injury. That's a shame for him. It's a big loss for them as well because they obviously need to bounce back and he is someone that obviously can score tries and has shown that he can do it at a test level as well. So um, nothing really going right for Scotland at the moment. Is it? That was a terrible start to the weekend, wasn't it? I mean, in, in terms of their Six Nations ambitions, yeah, they've also lost Richie Gray and Duncan Taylor. Yeah, Richie, Richie Gray's a, a big uh, loss for them. I, I, it all happened in that period at 10 minutes about three minutes where they were on the attack I think Richie Gray had, had, had made a, a storming break they got turned over um, and then you know a, a, the interception try kicked off a little bit of bad defense again and uh, all the way down they, they looked like they'd solved the problem and then they get done for that feeding at the, at the scrum uh, free kick and then suddenly leave half penny scores in the corner in a three minute period they've gone from probably should have, should have scored seven points themselves to being 14 nil down so yeah 21 point turnaround yeah. I mean it was they were just too loose weren't they all over the field their accuracy was poor that long pri uh, price pass was yeah. it was silly yeah um and they got what they deserve because Wales played really, really well. I mean, it's a bad week for Scotland. Not as bad as my week because I came home from picking the kids up from school yesterday. Yeah. And somebody had put a dog poo bag on so the latch to the side gate. That. I'm just going to ask. That's what I'm asking. Were you in my village yeah, yesterday? I, was, I saw you tweet about that. I was going to offer to come around and help you, like, lift you up so you could get it down. But... <laughs> the kids got it down for oh, me. That's, right. that's fine. It's okay. Can you believe that? Dog poo on your on your dog? On your, uh, it is on your, England Wales week. Gate. I know, but I don't. It's a long way to travel to do that, though, isn't it? It is, yeah. That's annoying. That's anyway, the sort of friends you've made. Yeah. Well, I haven't. That's the whole point. I haven't made any. No. But moving on, and I think we probably should, uh, we've got some of the big news of the injury front out of the way. So uh, let's talk about last weekend's games in the opening round of the Six Nations. You went to Italy. Obviously, um, you had a quiet time whilst you were there, yeah. an early night. Yeah, well, I, when in Rome, you know. Rodney, I was just, listening just to your... Just put my uh, toga on and had, yeah. a, had a blown bath. <laughs> a few grapes took you back yourself back to Roman times and, and slept in daylight. I was listening to your commentary. Well, actually, when I said I was listening to your commentary, <laughs> uh, I did. were you actually there? Because I heard a lot of David Flatman, and uh, he was excellent. He's very good. Very good. He is but very, very were, good. Were you like some kind of support mechanism for him in, yeah. the, in the match? Or? Yeah. yeah. I was just there just to hoover up any free airwaves <laughs> that were left. I thought, you're gonna, I thought you'd say mind-sweeping <laughs> at one stage then. Uh, seven tries for England, good performance. Watson was good. Simmons, let's concentrate on him. Was that absolutely his type of game? Gap slightly wider, defence not quite as good. Will yeah, he be as effective this weekend? 
you can't guarantee it. What I liked was his performance had a bit of everything. And, and defensively in the first half, he made a huge number of tackles. I think he made 23 tackles in the whole game, um, which is right up there. And he backed it up with a load of carries. And obviously, as the game opened up in the last 20 minutes, he made some metres and, and scored his two tries. So he's a different sort of number eight to Vunapola and Hughes in that he probably is most comfortable operating slightly wider out. He's got such a low centre of gravity, it makes him very difficult, even when you think you've got him to tackle him. And he, he'll shrug players off and then he's got that huge acceleration to get away. It was a great performance by him, but let's be honest, it's Italy. And... You know, you're right that that game does suit well. It would suit any attacking player to be able to uh, prove that they they can score tries and they can make breaks. It'll be a lot harder against Wales, um, but I do think he looks like an international quality player. Maybe I, not an eight. Maybe maybe yeah. we'll see him in a different position one day. But um, maybe for now. a seven. How do you think he's going to get on against that Welsh back row? Because for me, that looks like it's the best balanced back row in the tournament. They were very very good and and do what Wales always do or have done over the last few years, that any time a team looks like it's got the ascendancy in attack, they come up with a, a big turnover. You've got uh, Navidi, uh, Shingler, both making big, big impacts in the game in that department. And I think that's what kills a team, particularly a, an attacking team like Scotland or, or England will, will look to attack, is can they get that consistency in the game where that tidal wave of momentum goes against Wales. Uh, if not, it'll be a, a, a really, really hard game for England. If they, if they can keep those two out, it suddenly becomes a, a little bit easier. And moving on then to Wales, uh, they had, a like we said earlier, a very good win against Scotland. They were impressive, very physical, utilised the opportunities that they had. They didn't have many, but they certainly took them. Um, what was your assessment of the Welsh team, well, Ben? We mentioned about that that period where it all fell apart for Scotland, but it, it came a, a lot from accuracy. I thought the Welsh were far more accurate. Uh, the halfbacks were really good. I was impressed with them. Uh, the two wingers, two newish guys on, on, on either wing, Steph Evans and Adams, I thought they looked really, really sharp in England will have to do a lot, lot better job than they did last week when they few of the guys getting caught coming a long way in and then with a, a lot to recover when that ball went over the top um, for, from uh, Italy. So the, the, I think Warren Gatlin will have looked at that and said, well, there's a lot of space for two of our most attacking players and, and, and two guys that, that can light this game up for us. I guess the interesting thing will be how do both sides play it? Do, do Wales just want a free-flowing, as, as open as possible game and play the Scarlet's way away from home and just try and sort of throw a hand grenade in there? Or will they try and force England into mistakes and play a little bit more structured game and then say, well, you're at home, England, you, you attack and we'll, we'll just make sure that you're not as accurate as you were last week. I thought the French game was amazing. This, it's the only game actually at the three I watched all the way through at the weekend. And... Uh... The drop goal from Sexton. Oh, my God. Talk about hero or villain. He misses that. Everybody goes, why, why did, did you it? have a go from there? What are you doing? No one in history has kicked one that far. It was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And not only the final drop goal, but his role in the build-up. And they weren't going anywhere, were they, really? No. I mean, I've seen a few uh, people criticising France line, France's line speed to put him under pressure. The, France had looked so comfortable I think they didn't want to give away any penalties they were yeah. just saying well we'll keep you there we'll make our big shots and we'll keep you at about halfway line and you'll never kick it from there 
the dropout initially and then the crossfield kick and then to back it up with that 41 phases uh, from the start was was absolutely unbelievable i do feel for the french i know you know english fans aren't, aren't, aren't all overly enamored with france but they haven't haven't won is it all year yeah haven't won for a year now. Uh, they drew did they draw with japan so they still haven't so won. Them won. Yeah. I'm just I'm just <laughs> backing up I'm backing up your point. I'm just there for you, supporting um, it. I, and yeah, they they thought they'd done it and you, you know, when the two different emotions on view, the, the Irish are, I don't think I've ever seen a team celebrate quite so hard and, and the, the looks on the faces of the French. Um but what a finish to to what wasn't a brilliant game. No, the first half was great. Great try from Teddy Thomas. He he yeah. is exceptional, isn't he? But it just painted Ireland in a slightly different light, didn't it? They couldn't get their game going, which most people thought Ireland are going to go over there. And I know France have got a good team, good names, not a good team. Yeah, they they Ireland for me just well they were a bit underwhelming. They were, but I wouldn't be overly worried by that yet because yeah. I mean, they won once in France in the last yeah. 18 years or whatever it is. Um, up until that moment, they didn't play that well, but resilience—they still got the job done. And and you know that's the scary thing about those good teams. Were you know if France go on to win the Grand Slam and you know do well for the next, will anyone remember they played badly in that game? No, they'll just see the W next to their name, and that's what often happens for yeah. for great teams. Ireland possibly still on for the Grand Slam then. Eight wins on the spin so far. So let's look ahead to this round, this weekend. Uh, exciting games. Ireland take on Italy first. Ireland will be missing Josh van der Fleer, mm-hmm. uh, who's also injured his MCL. Um, he's, a, he's a big loss, but I, I think they've got good support in the back row to, to fill that gap. Uh, you, you've got to expect Ireland to win that and win that convincingly now. Yeah, particularly at home as well. I, 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 f- I feel for... Um Conor O'Shea with with the the fixture list how it how it piled up against them England at home he would have wanted to do a lot better and, and actually his performance wasn't you know he would have been quite proud of the performance but just that that golfing class showed by the fact that England having not played particularly brilliantly still came away with an absolute thrashing um, and I'm, I'm very worried about them going to the Aviva and being able to stay under 100 points conceded for their first two games. Oh, it's a big call. I thought you were going to say Ireland were going to score 100 points. The more, the, I suppose the more difficult one to call is Scotland versus France. Uh, confidence knocked for Scotland. France will feel aggrieved. And so the mental edge, you have to say, is with France. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, obviously a big, big advantage at being at Murrayfield, but... Um, you know, I, th- I think the question marks will be at the back of Scotland's minds. Can we transfer the sort of form that Glasgow have shown in, in Europe, that, that free-flowing style of rugby, does it work at test level? And, you know, playing against a huge uh, French pack who could come into this game and just say, well, we're just going to grind you down. And again, a bit like what we're talking about before with Wales, Wales's tactics at Twickenham, France could just go there and say, look, we know you're going to run. You can run all you like. We're just going to make our shots. And when you make a mistake like you did last week, we'll take advantage. Yeah, and then the big one for us, from our point of view, Warren Gatland has named an unchanged side. Uh, He hasn't named it yet, but he said the side's going to be unchanged. George North coming in on the bench. Um, What I love about Wales is that they've had so many injuries. They're effectively playing what looks like a second-string side. But those guys that have come in really did take their opportunity. And uh, I, I thought that was good to see. And going to Twickenham, it'll feel like it's a bit of a 
Well, I think it'll be an exciting occasion yeah. for those players and it'll lift them again. The, the thing will be, playing at home is one thing, playing away at Twickenham in your, what may be, you know, one of your earlier caps is a lot more difficult. Uh, it is, but I don't think there's a huge amount of pressure on them. I think because no. you haven't got all those superstars of Welsh rugby available, um, the fact that it's basically a, a, a provincial side or a club side um, going down together. It's on tour. They're on tour. They're on They're tour. On they've tour. had a brilliant season in Europe. They've, they've, they've lit the place up. They've had a great season in the, in the Pro 14. Nothing to lose going to Twickenham. That will be the messages, surely, from the yeah. from the Welsh camp is just go out and enjoy yourselves and let's see how England deal with uh, being expected to win about against a side that um, are probably the form team at the moment. Yeah, I love Patchell as well at 10. Always plays with a yeah. smile on his face and uh, enjoys his rugby. And you can see that with all the all the Scar Scarlet's players. But on the flip side, obviously, Richard Wigglesworth has joined up with the rest of the squad at the England training camp after Ben Young's injury. And we sent our man, Ali Eakin, to see how he and some of the rest of the squad are doing ahead of the big clash at Twickenham this weekend. So round two and the Welsh bowling into Twickenham on Saturday full of confidence after victory over the Scots and looking to give the English a bloody nose. So what of England? The last couple of days has been all about their scrum halves. They lost Ben Youngs in Rome to that nasty injury and the new man, well the new man is the old man. I think Brownie was the happiest person to see me because he's no longer <laughs> the, oldest, the oldest in camp. Um, yeah, it's, uh, age is just a number, don't they? And the offload is a good one and the try is scored. Richard Wigglesworth touches it down onto the posts. Congratulations on your recall. Did you think it was going to come? Uh, I don't know. I knew I had a chance because I spoke to Eddie uh, last year or so about when squads had been announced and what he'd want to see from me and where I stood. So when you've got that dialogue with the head coach, I think you're always, always hopeful. So how's it been since you got back into camp? Because you have to upskill and learn an awful lot in a very short space of time, I'm guessing. Yeah, you do. Um, they make it very easy for you to, to learn that sort of stuff. Uh, everyone's very open and uh, willing to help. So I've just been going around trying to get as much knowledge as I can. Um, the calls are sort of new, roughly, uh, and then trying to put the detail on that and what we're going to do this weekend. He's taken on everything really quickly. I think when you a player of his calibre, his experience, uh, his ability to 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 take on information, be able to adapt, is excellent. That's one of the great strengths of Richard. Sam, we all get overexcited about England-Wales contests. I'm guessing, perhaps with your background, you arguably more than most. Uh, yeah, obviously I had a bit of an ex well, experience playing there over the last, uh, last couple of years. Um, try not to let it be too distracting, to be honest. Uh, obviously it's a big occasion, but uh, we're quite focused on, on the job at hand and staying on task and, and making sure we, we put in a performance that we're, we're proud of and that and uh, we think re represents us as a group. The very good team have played some very good rugby in the autumn series as well. Um, you know, experienced group of coaching staff as well. So we know we're going to have to be our best this weekend. When we go to that field on, on Saturday, we need to be physically and mentally uh, at our best to, to get the performance and the result we want. My overriding emotion is just that I'm excited to get out there. England, Wales at Twickenham with a full house, then yeah, it doesn't get much better than that. So, England versus Wales, a game you and I have plenty of experience of over the years. Do you have any standout memories of facing the Welsh? How do you think of that question? It was written down. <laughs> um, the play against Wales is very different at Twickenham than at Cardiff. 
It's in a different country. It's totally different country. Yeah. The atmosphere is very different, isn't it? The whole week build-up is very different. I. Someone asked me to last year when when England were playing at Cardiff that the, the Times asked me to write something about what what it's like to um, to, to be an England player at, at, uh, in Cardiff, and I wrote it. And um, some Welsh journalist had a massive pop saying, "Oh, it's not like that at all. It is. You <laughs> you do get every, especially when you're driving around in a, in an England bus in Wales. You you're noticed, and people." Well, People start caps. from Tuesday or whenever you arrive Monday, just starting to ramp up the pressure, and, and it's yeah, you know, it's great. I love playing in Cardiff. It, that's actually my favourite venue because um, you know it, it is such an unbelievable atmosphere. Yeah, I've got great memories there. Never lost uh, in Cardiff, yeah. no, um, yeah. which was obviously because I was playing. Um, you did lose away to Wales, though, didn't you? Uh, I lost once. once away to Wales at Wembley, yeah. but I was on the bench, never made the field. After well, Scott Gibbs... Story of your career, mate. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, after Scott Gibbs scored the try, I went up to Clive and said, you better put me on if you want to win this. And yeah. he was in such a state that he didn't know where he was. Um, and uh, we en- went on to lose. There was still five or six minutes to play in that. And yeah. We had no pace in the bat line, um, and he uh, lost the plot. I'd uh, be pleased to listen to that back, I'm sure. But at this stage, people are going, wow, this this is really, really important. Usually in a Six Nations Championship, you, you sort of get through the first couple of rounds and then you go, right, who are the favourites? This has developed a huge amount of significance. Really, really looking forward to it. I remember playing, I pl- played, when would it have been? We played Wales in 2002, 2003. Yeston Harris's era. And I remember Wales weren't actually that good then. They they were going through a bit of a a, a down period. Just two thousand and two. Two thousand and two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And do you remember for about the first ten minutes, camped on our line, and they just threw absolutely everything at us. And I still think, you know, Phil Larder would would probably testify that when he was trying to build the best defence in the world to go and take on the World Cup, that game and us keeping them out when they threw everything at us, was probably our strongest defensive performance in, in that 10 minutes. And then they almost punched themselves out. They, they, they threw so much at it that you could see the the the, uh, the psychology dip a little bit. Yeah, um, and then I scored after 15 minutes. You? Yeah, scored my first international try at Twickenham against Wales. It was Wales. a for you to get on, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, scored after 15 and then scored my second after 25-ish. Uh, but first international try against uh, Wales at uh, Twickenham. It is a very, very special occasion, and anyone who's going is very lucky. Anyone watching on the TV, enjoy it just as much. OK, well, in a rugby tonight first, we've managed to squeeze a third rugby player into this tiny recording booth. Welcome, Jonathan Davis. It's not the crinkly-skinned old uh, <laughs> Jonathan Davis. It's the smooth-skinned Lions and Wales legend. Um, how's it all going? How are you getting on? Yeah, good, thanks. Good to be here. Just about squeezing you, like you said. Nice yeah, well, footwear ben, on. Ben's, yeah, really thank you. Ben's got a big bum. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, nice bum. Round, peachy. <laughs> I've had um, the work done. Is this the first podcast you've ever done? Um... Yes, and in a, a recording booth like this, yeah, it's quite uh, 
new to me, I've got to say. Have you been on with Shanks before? And oh, yeah, flats? Shanks has had me has on. Has he not yeah. got a recording booth? No, it's a box oh. in the Cardiff Arms Park. Oh, very nice. Yeah. Oh, check yeah. him out, old Billy Big Balls. Um, so, how's the injury, first and foremost? Uh, how long are you... Well, where, where are you at, rehab? You, no crutches this time. Last no time crutches, you, on BT, yeah. you had crutches. Um, so, three months post-surgery now, and slowly get out of this boot and start walking in a trainer again. So... Yeah, it's taken its time, but it feels all right. It's been a brilliant year for you to be injured, hasn't it? I mean, Scarlet's uh, <laughs> flying. Are, in, yeah, are absolutely exactly, flying. Yeah. You must be uh, watching them with a huge amount of, well, pride and envy at the same time. Yeah, huge amount. I don't think they've lost the game since they've been injured. So, um, yeah, it's um, it's great to be a part of. Um, but, no, I think it's, it's it's great to see the boys just playing some great rugby. And, um, you know, it's... Um, it's an exciting time for us at the moment. Do you, do you think that made a massive difference last week with so many Scarlet's players already on a high coming into the tournament, playing at Cardiff? Yeah, I think so. Like I think going into camp, there would have been a good buzz because in previous years, no Welsh team has been competing in Europe. So yeah. going into camp, there's almost been that little hangover of you know, not competing at the highest level at your club. But so coming into camp with, with the Scarlet's boys doing so well, I think it would have, it would have carried over and, it, you know, there's a lot to feel good about Welsh rugby then at that point. There's uh, obviously you've been coached by Warren Gatland and by Wayne Pivak. What's what's the main differences between the two? And do you think Warren maybe just said, do you know what, Scarlet's lads, off you go, do your best? Um, they're both similar characters. Obviously, they read. Um, I think they read people very well. They understand how. I thought you could say they can both read. Yeah, yeah, no, they, yeah. <laughs> that's that's the only thing to get a qualification for a Welsh coach. <laughs> uh, no, um, it's um, it's it, it, they're both uh, understanding what play, players need to do, that what makes them tick, and um, I think it's um, they they put confidence in the boys. I think that's one thing. They they're both similar, and um, you know the way the Scarlets have played is always the way I think the Welsh public want their teams to play and um, it's, it's been adopted and it's, it's taken a while but I think it's um, you know Saturday's performance was great by the boys do you think there'll be any change in tactics next week different opposition playing away from home or, or do you think it'll will stick to what's winning I think there'll be uh, you know what worked well was was the high tempo and I think um, against England they'll probably look to do the same thing and um, you know it's natural for us we don't want an arm wrestle as mm. such we don't want a big uh, fight up front at all we want we want pace on the ball and um, I think we won't go away from that but it's being as well you know I think England will give up a tougher test than Scotland did in, on, on the weekend and is managing how where you play and not like running for the sake of it, is playing in the right areas. Beating Scotland at home, obviously pretty good, but mm. do the Welsh take more pleasure in beating England? And if so, where does that come from? Where does it all stem from? Um, Occupation? Yeah, I genuinely don't know. I think it's just instilled from me from a young age. Um, <laughs> I think um, I think when growing up, obviously uh, the, the teams we were watching weren't winning or weren't beating England. So whenever there was that big win against England, you celebrate it for a couple of years. So um, there's always that uh, rivalry as such. But, um, you know, I think they're just big games and, you know, across the border, all those all those tales of the, the Celts and coming back over the border. I think it's it's just an exciting fixture to be a part of. And I think um, everyone in Wales gets excited about it. Yeah, right. what's what's your favourite memory of those games? You've played in quite. Um, how many England Wales you played in? Quite a few. Quite a few, yeah. Um, obviously, we won in twenty twelve the triple crown in Twickenham. That was good. Um, and then the following year, that uh, thirty points to three in Cardiff. That was a good one. Yeah, so, it was brilliant. That. Yeah. yeah, it was a good day. Um, <laughs> but I, I wasn't involved in the World Cup. Um, so I was. It was the only time I've ever bought tickets to watch a rugby match. I took my two eldest daughters and my wife. <laughs> 
sat right behind all the Welsh families yeah. in, the, in the West End <laughs> and watched Wales beat England at Twickenham in the World Cup. Brilliant day out it was. Yeah, amazing. but you got your money's worth there. But... No, I didn't. It cost me. Um, the tickets for the World Cup were astronomical. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, it was a fascinating day out. But hopefully, from our point of view, this weekend, both Ben and I are really looking forward to this game. What are your thoughts about it? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm really excited. I think it's, there's two teams who are on high confidence, a lot of confidence. I think the way... Uh, England want to play as well. Will you know it could it could end up being like a shootout. You know I think um, Ford and Farrell are massive for England, and I think the way they control the game on the weekend against Italy, will they'll try and do the same against us? But for us, it's making sure that the tempo's in the game, and um, we're, we're comfortable with ball in hand. It's making sure that we don't give give up the ball too easily. Moving away from this weekend, you've got the nickname Fox. Yeah, your brother's Cubby. Yeah. Or chubby, uh, chubby. <laughs> who who first gave you it? Why? Can you let us into any secrets? Um, basically, um, brought up in a pub called the Fox and Hounds in Bank of Ellen. Um, so in West Wales, it's either you, you're named after like either the farm you brought up on or or the pub you brought up on. So um, so it's John the Fox since I was about. That's very you're, similar. You're known as Castle Shed. <laughs> yeah, shed. shed. <laughs> <laughs> Got in there first, eh? Well, uh, look. I would say good luck at the weekend. No, I think. Are you okay. going to be at Twickenham? Are you watching? I am. I, I will be there watching the boys. Um, so yeah, looking forward to it. Excited. Yeah, I would. Uh, I'm not going to say it, but may the best side win. And uh, hopefully yeah. that's does Austin have any it. nicknames in Wales? You can tell us. Um, does this go out after nine o'clock? Just can say I? it. Anyway. Doesn't matter. <laughs> so we'll believe it. Yeah. Anyway, thanks for coming in. No, you're welcome. So first for us, and uh, it's a real privilege to have you here. And, and, and good luck with the injury. Hopefully, Thank you very hopefully much. it Cheers. heals up quickly. Um, and me and Ben are now going to concentrate on the Aviva Premiership, which. Comes back this weekend on BT Sport. Happy days. Friday night, uh, Bath versus Northampton. The Aviva Premiership bounces back in style. That starts at 7 p.m. Coverage on BT Sport 1 what, what and 4K. What happens if you've got 4K? Oh, it's UHD. on, oh, it's it's on, on both, yeah. So I suggest that you have a shave and make yourself a little bit more presentable than you, you currently have been recently. Yeah, just the all face. All over? All right. Just the face. Um, looking uh, forward to that game, what do you reckon? It's huge. Yeah. Two teams that, you know, Northampton, having had a slight recovery after Jim Mallander's parting of ways with the club, having the Anglo-Welsh and Europe out of the way now, they, they have to put in a decent performance. Otherwise, you know, they hadn't built up enough confidence in, in the weeks before. Um, Bath have, have had a... One of those torrid seasons, up and down again, and and a still real in the mix. pressure on them. Still, still in, in the, the mix, mix, but real pressure on them at home. If they lose this game at home, right their off the fans, top four. their fans are going to go yeah. absolutely ballistic. I think if them. Bath win all their remaining games at home, I yeah. think they'll find themselves in the top four. So there's there's a lot to play for them. Then on Saturday, obviously, we're not televising any of these games because there's something going on at Twickenham that you you're only allowed a two-hour gap really on a Saturday only particularly if you've got kids running around at home well, to there's watch there's two games on Saturday Six Nations aren't there yeah is that I don't yeah. know because I concentrate only on BT Sport yeah. and their abilities because that's without doubt the best rugby channel but also on Saturday in the Viva Premiership we've got Exeter versus Worcester Gloucester versus Leicester Sarries versus Newcastle and London Irish versus Sale rattle through them Ben who's winning uh, Exeter at home. Um, you'd think Gloucester's home form and how Leicester are playing at the moment would mean that uh, Gloucester are, are, are big favourites to win at King's home. Um, but we will see. Saracens, obviously, you'd take them at home against Newcastle. Uh, but Newcastle have been renowned for the odd ups upset this year. Um, and then London Irish against Sale. I mean, it, it, they're down, aren't they, London Irish? 
but you well, think potentially. Yes and no. Yes, no. At no. some point, they're going to surprise. Usually, what happens There's is, always it, one is, off. is everyone goes, they're down, aren't they? And then they find a victory from somewhere, and everyone goes, oh, maybe they're not. And it makes the teams around them play a bit better, and they still go down. But um, yeah, I wouldn't put it past them. But Sale, again, they've, they've been a team that have put teams to the sword and then disappointed in, in, in with inconsistency. Yeah. But I think Sale will be looking up rather than down now, the way that they've been playing recently. You know, if they win this game, they go up to 37, 38 points. They find themselves in the top six, all to play for. So uh, lots going on on Saturday. And then on Sunday, after the internationals have been won, after England have won against Wales, uh, it's Harlequins versus Wasps. Courage starts at 12.30 on BT Sport 2. What about 4K? It's on 4K yeah, UHD as well. Good, Were you worried? Good. Yeah, I was, yeah. Because uh, you're working on that one again, so yes. aren't you? So you've yeah. got a very busy weekend, haven't very you? Very busy, yeah. I'm sure you're yeah. looking forward to it. Um, anything stands out for you this weekend, apart from England-Wales? Uh, Harlequins-Wasps on Sunday. Really? Yeah. Well, I think the Friday night game's going to be a better game. Well, it'll be a good game. Well, actually, I don't know about that. I, I think um, both those teams have played some really good rugby this year. And, you know, maybe Wasps, again, have had a couple of dints to their confidence in terms of Europe and stuff, but then they had that big win uh, against Ulster. So... You know, you, you think away from home, maybe they'll do the job. Yeah, maybe they will. Don't forget, also, you can join in with the BT Sport Super Brew Predictor. Um, uh, don't forget to do predictor. yours. I said predictor. 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 Oh, yeah, it's exactly. a variation on a predictor. You're so predictable. Yeah. <laughs> you are very, very predictable. Um, yes. Okay. Unfortunately, Ben, that's all we've got time for this week on our Rugby Tonight podcast. Dash. Thanks for thanks for joining me, Ben. It's I will see you on Saturday. My pleasure. Looking forward Anytime. to and Friday night. Um, Any time we're like a in the same away. building to film something else. Yeah. Just give us a show. Okay, I certainly will. And it's uh, Valentine's, so I'm spending Valentine's oh. weekend with you this weekend. Excellent. Bring some flowers. Uh, big thanks also to Jonathan Davis for popping in. If you enjoyed the show, give us a share, as well as an you know an incredibly flattering review if you can. And of course, press the subscribe button to get a brand new episode delivered to your device every single Thursday. Bye for now. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.